Hello and welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends. Once again, James Bond is on assignment, so I'm your fill-in host, James Page, co-founder of MI6HQ.com and MI6 Confidential Magazine. Uh, last episode, we ran out of time, so this is the second part of our news roundup on the latest developments on No Time to Die. Um, if you didn't catch that, you might want to dip back to episode 32 uh, before continuing here. And again, if you're adverse to any kind of spoiler, you may want to divert your ears um, until we cover a non-spoiler topic. Although, we don't reveal anything in this episode that isn't already in the public domain. So, our continuing panel from the last episode, uh, we were delighted to be joined by John Clark, who is better known online as Haphazard Stuff. Also, Calvin Dyson from the Calvin Dyson Reviews Bond YouTube channel. Joseph Darlington, head of section at Being James Bond. David Lee of the James Bond Dossier. And Bill Koenig from the Spy Command. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get straight back to exactly where we left off last time. We, we might be getting a different composer. Oh, yes. I'm glad, oh, yeah. I'm glad we're talking about this because you guys are all so much more well-informed on these things than me. So I'm hoping to <laughs> I don't, get an I, I, don't, from I don't know about that, Cameron. Um, oh. I was reading between the lines because the day the rumor came out, oh, yeah, he's not doing it, was the only day in the last six months where David Arnold didn't tweet anything. I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> silence is deafening. Um, <laughs> and he has not responded to any questions about it, but that's par for the course. Um, well, and today, or at least overnight as we record this, somebody tweeted at the, uh, what was James Bond radio that, that first put that out. Hey, it's been a while. Anything new? Uh, we haven't heard anything, but we'll let you know. Or he didn't say, we'll let you know. We'll see. Um, so there's been nothing since that original tweet that got the buzz started that maybe, maybe Dan Romer is out and maybe somebody's coming in. Um, there's just been nothing since the great unknown at this moment a score doesn't really make or break a film um but it can be something that lingers around positively or negatively i mean i, I would say like you know the one thing that people always pull up goldeneye for is eric Serra's score right as being out of yeah. place mm-hmm. um and then if you look at quote unquote the weaker James Bond films that some people say, like, you know, one of mine, like a favorite like a view to a kill. You know what? Really good score though. Really good score. So mm-hmm. anonymous action movies can get away with just putting in a, any old composer and just knocking out a meat and potatoes score. But Bond actually, um, you need to deliver something more than that. Otherwise well, it's going to be noticeable. I, I, I agree. Yeah. The, the, the thing, the thing about uh, Bond scores is that at some point, it doesn't matter what else is going on, they need to make you feel like it's a Bond film, and uh, it's or at least for me, that's that's the thing. The the, the music needs to bring a, a kind of a, a, an emotional, uh, the emotional. Uh, attachment. Out I don't know if any of you guys like have that. seen this, but there was an experiment somebody did uh, way back when where they took never say never again and put john barry music on yes they, well, they actually yeah. they actually lifted the one i saw they lifted scores from almost all of the bond films up to that point and yeah. honestly you're right so the bond theme was throughout i found it that it actually made the movie much more watchable uh mm, yeah i wouldn't recommend it as if but 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 I, you could feel a big change just from that little change alone 
So I, I think there is something to be said for the, the score. I, I wouldn't say it makes or breaks a film, but it, it can definitely have a, an impact. It can definitely enhance a, uh, enhance a movie, definitely. And also, like one of my running comments about the two scores by Thomas Newman is that they weren't bad. I remember watching the movies and there was like something seemed off kilter. I couldn't place my finger on it. And then after Skyfall came out, it was a few months later, he scored this movie that was directed by Steven Soderbergh. I can't remember the title now, but it suddenly, but, but Newman did that. And it just seemed like, you know what, this seems, this plays to his strengths. And so the comparison I made was with Thomas Newman doing a James Bond movie was like a guy wearing clothes that were not, not his size. It's like, you know, you, you can get by with it, but it just, you know, Newman's forte, it seems to me, are like quiet, emotion-driven films. He also did the film Bridge of Spies, which I thought was a fantastic score, but it's not a Bond film and it's right. not a Bond score. And it's like, I, th- I thought that was fa- a fantastic score, but I didn't think his either of his two Bond scores was fantastic. And it just, it's, to me, it just didn't seem like it was quite in his, Bond movies weren't quite in his, in his wheelhouse. They were professional and they were fine for what they were, but they weren't maximum. Hang on, so to speak. But he did two scores, Bill. Uh, well, <laughs> the second, the, the second score. Actually, I, I said this about the second score. It reminded me like he wasn't so much the composer as the music supervisor. It's a cheap joke. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense, I think, in theory, if you're doing a, a film that's equal to have a lot of um, not only you know story links back to the previous film but to bring some of the themes whether it's the characters the sets the visuals the costumes or the music like to have that continuity but yeah i, I mean i, I gotta that- tell you that's a serious i have a real pet peeve when they reuse actual cues from different films because uh, because you anticipate all the moments in the action because you know the music so well so mm. I that, when 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 they did that inspector and again I actually liked the score for I, I missed David Arnold but I liked the the score for Skyfall very much but then when I heard the same beats literally lifted for Spectre I was so annoyed by that because uh, in, in in Spectre I, I I like the I like the um score for the uh, pre-title sequence I, I think that works well. And you know it's it's intercut a, a bit with with um, you know um, music that there's, there's some music in the background in the hotel going on and out on the streets and I, I think that works okay but it's just uh, the rest of it lets it down. Just to explain my earlier remark about Newman seemed like a music supervisor with Spectre, I've done two websites where I like review all the episodes of two different shows. And in those cases of those series, um, there are original scores for maybe half of the episodes, if that. And so for like a lot of the episodes, they're reach, you know, they're using previous music. And like it got to the point on some things I could, re- I recognize certain tracks that were, you know, where I knew was not an original score, but I knew where they got the music from. And so that's what 
uh, that's what Spe- uh, Spectre reminded me of. It's like, eh, we don't have enough money for an original score, but we'll uh, we'll reuse a lot of Thomas's music and we'll give him a music credit. I know that's not what happened, but it reminded me of that in key scenes. For yeah. example, when Judy Dench M they're playing that video and they played that music, which was originally used in Skyfall, where there was a shot of Judy Dench M with all those uh, caskets with the uh, British Jack flags on them. You know, they just took it right from that scene and just plopped it in there inspector well what what does happen in the edit is before the composer starts work or the composer is working they'll use um a temp track placeholder music right and for bond that's dead easy because they just go through the previous x films and just plonk down the the closest track you think is about right um just to get a feel for it um, and then ultimately, obviously, the score gets replaced. The funniest one I saw of that was, uh, which, I, by the way, I think is what happened Spectre. It's like, well, Thomas is coming back, and then they just laid down Skyfall soundtrack on the on the temp track. But um, Johnny English, 2003, I got to see the work print of that film before it was in final edit, and they used the World Is Not Enough soundtrack as the, as the temp score. And oh, How funny. It was... It was there was bits of it. You're like it to your point, Joe, about like adding the Barry music to Never Say Never Again. It's like mm. this is really a, a, a solid James Bond spoof. This is actually you know, and then of course you know they replaced the track, and it was amazing how much that added to it. Just having that temp track in. Well, well, also if I can cite Die Another Day again on the podcast um, for the temp track, they had at the in that last scene with uh, bond and jinx they used you only live twice so it looked it worked so well on the temp track they basically told david arnold like you, you gotta do something like this and so that's why you know his track for the final film sounds a lot like you only live twice it also sounds a lot like the world is not <laughs> enough in the last scene as right. well but uh it's like uh you know because with dine other day they w- were making all these references to early bond movies i'm not sure the music score was exactly what they had in mind, but I, I, it, I, so. a, a couple of a couple of other things about music. One is that um, if you if you watch Hitchcock's earlier works and it's pre-symphonic score and it's just like this kind of terribly screechy background music, um, it. it, it one of the things that that emphasizes is what a good director he was because the music is bloody awful. It doesn't add anything to, to the films no. at, at all. But um, I remember in 1980 when uh, uh, The Empire Strikes Back came out, which is something uh, is part of something called Star Wars, apparently. And, Never uh, seen it. <laughs> the, uh, there was a... A, a TV program. I, I don't know if it was the making of Empire Strikes Back or, or the music of Empire Strikes Back. And uh, I, I remember they, they showed one particular scene with and without music, and they were just saying that you know, just showing how how much um, a scene can change uh, with and without. And uh, and it, it did really stand out at the time. That what what a difference. Uh, it makes to to made to the scene. It was the scene when um, Han Solo gets frozen in carbonite, and you know, without the music, it's just oh, this happens. Boom. And with the music, it, it, it gives it some emotion that wasn't there otherwise. 
Well, to, to your point about Hitchcock as well, I mean, the the shower scene is a perfect example from Psycho of um, how much music adds to it. Like, Hitchcock wanted that scene originally to have no music and just, like, you know, the sounds of the shower and the knife going in and all that kind of stuff. And then Bernard Herrmann did his famous score, and then obviously it's, you know, iconic. Um, but, yeah... <laughs> The, I thought I thought David, you were going to make a joke about Monty Norman. <laughs> oh damn! I I should have. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how a good director can hide an atrocious. Back <laughs> um, well, but I was going to say I I rewatched Octopussy this week on the plane because after Joe, you and Scott's review, I was like, you know what? There's some things I want to check out that I didn't really fully think about before. And I actually caught myself listening to the score a lot. And there's a lot of scenes in that film that are not scored. They deliberately underscored or Barry thought, you know what, we're just going to let the action mm. say it. And especially the pre-title sequence. There's a lot of, um, I think it, there's, there's bits in that movie where the tension and anxiety in the scene and the stress of it is better because they didn't score it. And, you know, less is more. And I, no pun intended. And I think that that worked for that film. And I think there's, there's other examples of the bond series where it's a little bit on the nose sometimes. Well, well to cite a non bond example. So like with the movie Chinatown, it's a relatively short score that was done by uh, Jerry Goldsmith and Goldsmith was quoted as saying, you know, it, it's the key decision is as much as when to not score something as to score it and the score you write. So there's, you know, he didn't score that, you know, it wasn't a continuous wall of music. Goldsmith was very strategic about when to score something and when to not. And he, of course, is considered a legend in, you know, movie scoring. Sorry, John, we should pull you in. Thoughts on soundtracks of late? Is it something that's kind of like important to you? Um. Yeah, I'm not a big music guy, but like now you guys have me thinking about like, you know, I'm, I'm going through my head of scenes from Bond films that had no music. And I'm, I'm you, you guys will help me with this when in Three Eyes Only, when he gets dragged through the sharks. Was there any score to any of that? I know towards the end after right. he, uh, ah, leave him when the guy gets. The you know, very end. Yeah. But, but like most of that was just like all water and sound effects and yeah. I think the rock climbing right. scene in Fear Eyes Only is another one. When he drops and there's silence. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it my imagination or do you, do you just get a, a bit of the wind whistling? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. that's my brain. Like, yeah, they didn't add a slide whistle or anything to that uh, to help that scene along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's what it really needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but this new, supposedly this new composer that they Dan, Dan Romer is that the, his name? Well, the, 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 the story Romer, is yeah. John, that he's not doing it now. Oh, so, so he's he's out now. We'll never know. Maybe was, was he? Did he work with Fukunaga before? Or did he have any connection with Fukunaga or at any point? Like I yes, I, he worked on a, at least a couple of projects. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I'm, I wasn't familiar with him when I, I saw his name and. Right, and to be clear, and to be clear, was posted by one fan site, and nothing has been heard from since. So we don't really know whether Romer's working on it or not. Yeah, um, John, I, I hadn't heard of him either when he was first announced. So I went on to Spotify and uh, listened to a couple of his soundtracks, and uh, I mean, there, there wasn't anything that leapt out 
at me that was particularly Bondian, but, uh, you know, uh, I guess he might uh, adapt a bit to Bond. I found I found like, his music a bit what boring. Was he, what was he doing? Like action films or? N- um, he did. He, um, there was a, a there was a Fukunaga uh, film which uh, I don't remember the name. It, it was set in Africa and it was uh, uh, it, was it in in the Congo or somewhere like that? And um, well, it's the complete opposite of a Bond movie in 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 sound and uh, in and in uh, theme. Which, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but uh, there wasn't anything uh, there wasn't anything that I saw that was uh, an action film or anything like that. He's apparently done some television. He's, I've got his IMDb up on another tab. Uh, a documentary, a short, Glory at Sea, short. Um, I know he has worked with Fukunaga a couple times, but I don't. I don't think we're talking about Hitchcock, uh, Herman, or uh, Spielberg, Williams here, right. um, where there's like this long-standing partnership. But um, so, other than David Arnold, I mean, we talked about this before. Daniel Pemberton, Bill, was your pick last time, right? Which I kind of agree on too. But anybody else got anybody? Calvin, David, you'd be like, huh? Eh, yeah, give it a go. Apart from Lady Gaga. Uh, no, I, I'm, yeah, my, my list is a David Arnold. So if you're listening, David, and they ask you just say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I don't have any. Yeah, no, uh, David Arnold doing the score, Lady Gaga doing the title theme is my dream go. scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe, John, anybody I, that I, you would want to no put me down for david arnold i i really i I, i'm not really i feel like i'm not that familiar lately with a lot of the modern composers so yeah i i i would love to see craig's tenure round out with a good old arnold score Mm. yeah in fact i was listening to his uh the expanded die another day score that la la land records put out uh, a short while ago and uh um, yeah, I mean, that would be a very popular choice if, if they brought him back. Yeah. Mu- music is not my strong suit. Uh, yeah. Like, like Joe, I, I'm not familiar with like composers, uh, of late. And even when people ask me like, who, who would I want to sing the title? song, I have no idea. I, I, I had never even heard of Adele before the Skyfall <laughs> song. In fact, if, if you, you guys played me an Adele song right now, I wouldn't I wouldn't recognize it. I just know that Skyfall song. I don't know anything else she sang. Calvin just mentioned Lady Gaga. I've heard of her. I have heard of her. <laughs> it's, it's good being on the pulse of things. <laughs> <laughs> What surprised me um, was, I mean, I don't care about Land Rovers. Um, full disclosure, Land Rover, I'm sorry, I don't really care. Um, apparently, like, the design of that new model was, like, such a closely guarded secret. And in the that corner of motoring fandom, the reveal of it was a big deal, apparently. Yeah, I, I did see some of that on, on Instagram, actually. Uh, I, I didn't know why, but uh, I, I got right. a hint of it, yeah. Well, they're they're having a big event in Los Angeles, uh, like the day before the press days for the Los Angeles uh, Auto Show, which is coming up here in November. 
Um, yeah, it's, it, it is considered a big deal. Um, I've, I've been out of that life having to follow all these models. So it's like, sounds good to me, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's a big deal at some level. It'd be interesting to see if you added up minute minutes on screen, like is Aston Martin, should they be like on the top line of the movie credits? No. <laughs> Daniel Craig, Aston, 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 Martin. Aston, Martin, Aston Martin and Rami Malek. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's more minutes of an Aston Martin on screen than Remy Malik. <laughs> wow. I, mean, I would that DB five again? In terms of in terms of Aston Martin's place in the automotive world, um, they're runts. They yeah. you know, it's like a few three years ago they're saying we have to diversify from James Bond. Twenty nineteen, please, James Bond, please save us. We're going down the toilet. <laughs> Um, oh, there goes our Aston Martin sponsorship. Shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 hang on, don't say this. I, I, I want to get invited by Aston Martin to go and drive their cars again. Yeah, just shut up, Bill. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 he's calling. Oh, he's calling. No, I'm, I'm, I'm letting it go into voicemail. So, don't want to interrupt the flow. I, I, actually, something, something serious uh, that I, I just remembered and I, I saw on Bill's um, w- what do you call them the the bond 25 um, timeline, timeline. The, the, yeah the latest one and there was there was an article um, on one website saying that um, they had they, they'd uh, booked the domains or, or, or uh, registered the domains back in August beginning of August in 2018 which are uh, it, Supposedly, yeah, yeah. Which, as far as I can see, is bullshit because the two domains that I can find related to No Time to Die, it's no time to die dot movie and no time to die movie dot com, were both registered on the twentieth of August, twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that article is really badly written because for the general, yeah. but if you're in the film business, it made sense. If you're not in the film business, it doesn't because there's a title registry. So you can go and register the name of a title of a movie and then that kind of stops anybody else from using it whilst you're in development. That's what they were talking about. Well, I thought they were talking about but d- it, domains. No, but that's that's how it reads like that. Like they went and, when you say you registered the name of a movie, everyone thinks you're going to buy the .com, right? But there's actually a title registry for movies. Right, okay, um, okay. Where they can protect it. And that's what they're talking about. And it's not something that's internet searchable. It's, you know, it's old school stuff that from back in the day. Um, the only reason I know about that is because you and Lloyd, we interviewed him, um, yeah, I think at the Thunderbolt event we did, um, and he was telling the story about like when he saw the was it the Libyan embassy, uh, Libyan embassy SAS yeah. siege in London. That afternoon, he ran to the phone box and registered um, "Who Dares Wins" as a movie title, oh, even God. though he had no idea of who was going to be in it, the story. But he wanted to grab the title through hmm. the title registry, so. Yeah, that thing still exists. Well, that I'll, process. I'll have to reread the the article. Yeah, mm. I, I was convinced it was talking about demands, yeah. but very hard to yeah. vet that story because it's yes. not publicly accessible information. So, well, yeah, because some I tweeted it that I had updated the timeline with that, and then somebody tweeted me, "Oh, there's some problems with that." I said, "Oh, how so?" And then he said, "Oh, some of the dates." And then I was thinking about going back and. Um, 
re-editing the entry and I tried to find the tweet and it had been removed. So yeah. it's like, you know, the other thing is just because um, they registered the title doesn't mean that's what it was going to be because a reason to right. die was the working title up until the reveal yeah. event. And they had a bunch of them. It wasn't just, it wasn't just. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then yeah, there was the previous, there was the previous, in fact, there have been a, a couple of previous films uh, called no time to die. So it could have been just to protect their names as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's not the first Bond film that's gone by a different title and changed it. I mean, it's mm. like, but um, it's this is what we always get pulled up on, and I, I understand why it happens, but it is annoying when we come out and say something's something as a you know like today this is where we are at right, and then a few weeks or months pass, the situation changes, and then somebody goes, "Ah, oh, you were wrong about that." It's like. Right. No, we weren't. The at, the time, at the time of yeah. writing, that was accurate. <laughs> so I always try and slip in now, like at the time of writing, or as it currently stands, because it does look bad. It does look bad on Google results when you know you were claiming something once and it's not it didn't take place. At one time with Goldfinger, they had a backup plan. If they could not call her Pussy Galore, they were gonna call her Kitty Galore. And what they did was they arranged for Honor Blackman to do pure publicly with some member of the royal family, I think. And the caption said Pussy Galore and there was no outcry. Fine, we'll go with Pussy Galore. But had that gone badly, they would have called her Kitty Galore. But she also Um, was front and center and just using it. Yeah. So it's too late. It was almost like, you know, the... um, Right, she was forcing the issue. It was like Shatner crossing his eyes when he was kissing Ahura, right? I mean, it was like, I'm going to make this happen regardless of what the studio thinks. Right. Yeah, because right. right. uh, there's this. I, I don't remember if it's an interview with her or an article about her saying that she she actually liked to embarrass the the U.S. journalists who were asking about the character because they were all referring to her as Miss Galore and she was calling her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You won't believe what this James Bond girl is called. Daily Express, nineteen sixty four. How about this double one? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, we forgot. Yes, that was part of that longer Daily Mail story, which was almost as an aside inside that story. That, yeah, supposedly because of the outcry. They're going to uh, backpedal now on this? not going to be double so That's what the Daily Mail's claiming. Is it going to be like that moment in Doctor No where they had to, like, dub Bernard Lee? So he said... MI7. Um, what do you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, MI7, yeah. but his mouth saying yeah. MI6. Everyone's going to be referring to Lashana as 007, and then it's going to be 001. Yeah. Same exact thought. I thought it was going to be, like, a terrible dubbing thing. Like, come in, 001. <laughs> we have a mission for you, 001. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be really, it'd be really great if it was not not the voice of the actual actor saying it. So if it's like Ray Fiends, come in, double O one. Well, the, the problem the problem is seven is the only number with two syllables, a single digit. So dubbing it's going to be no, no, they, they, yeah, well, they, they use CGI, can't they? <laughs> make make one into two syllables. What? Come in, Agent Double O one. Everybody, everybody's going to have a mouth that looks like Henry Cavill's from uh, Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> These CGI mouths are going to say something different. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> so it's obviously nonsense, um, right? Remains to be seen. Who knows? It's like we, we officially don't know whether she was supposed to be 007. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Although, although Lachana Lynch played coy in that uh, Hollywood Reporter story, she, she didn't deny. Where it. I can't confirm that. You know, she gets asked, "I can't confirm that." 
Which in Bond movie mm. speakers, absolutely. The Mail article also says that uh, Bond's going to be driving an electric Aston Martin as well, which makes it Aston Martin number five. So, uh... right, which which and that electric Aston Martin had been reported six nine months yeah. ago, and then that disappeared. Yeah. Well, they switched um, it out to the other one. They switched yeah. it was originally going to be it, and then it, this is one of those things where yeah, it was going to be the electric Aston Martin, and then they decided to switch it to the other one just right. before filming. So now, was that journalist wrong? No. Does he look stupid no. now? Yes. Well, right. I mean, well, here's an example going back 25 years. So at that 1994 Los Angeles James Bond convention, they showed at the very end, they showed the audience this video and, hey, we're going to have the newest Aston Martin and we're going to have this thing with these uh, saws, you know, right. suspended from the helicopter. And it's like they said that, but then, you know, late in the day, United Artists, like, it's like uh, we're not going to get any money out of Aston Martin. Let's do a deal with BMW instead. So like that, you know, the BMW was like a last minute switch. And then the buzzsaw thing, you know, didn't work out for the story. So they held it off for the world is not enough. I mean, that, that shows you how it can change, you know, late in the day. Mm. Because this was in like October of 94 and they were going to start filming in uh, – January of uh, 95. Right. right. I just don't know who you're appeasing by making that change. If it is if it is indeed a change and she wasn't 001 from the start, it's, well, uh, you know. I, I want to give John credit. He did a video and um, he made the case like, okay, how does calling Nomi 007 adv actually advance the story? Like, why would anybody think 007 was... Uh, separate from James Bond, and then you had this montage of things from various trailers. 007, it spells Bond, and then various other <laughs> things. So I, I, I tap my, um, I compliment you, John, on that video. It was oh, very I, funny. I, I, thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I still don't understand in the context of the story, making her 007. What difference does it make? Any other number she could have been. Bond wouldn't have cared. He walked away from uh, his job. So, like, what does he care who 007 is? Q, M, Money Penny. I, I don't think they have any connection to this number. They just have a connection to this man. We're the only ones who have a connection to this number. And that's part of his identity. That's what we think. Ian Fleming's James Bond, 007. It's, it's, so, it's, I, I would think it's more targeted towards us than anything to do with the story. I don't think like if they change, even in a way, I hope they kind of don't backpedal on it because they, they started this. So if they want to make her 007 and it was so vital and they created all this drama about it and let's see what, what, what the payoff is going to be in the story. I suspect it would only be like one little offhanded jokey line, like come in 007. No, not you bond. I mean her. Other than that, I don't see right, what, right. What, what else you could do with it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. That was, you know, that was sort of my thought too. And, you know, James and I were just discussing this too, where I was thinking like, you know, if they did do the switch to 001, I would assume that that would be a little trickier than just dubbing a different number over, over the voice, because if they went to the trouble to say that she's the new 007, I'm assuming that the whole point is that, you know, James Bond does a sort of a double take and says, well, oh, wait, wait a second. I was 007 or something. I would think you would be a little more ingrained in the story to be able to just swap out that number 
as if nothing had right. happened. Mm. Um, but also sort of continuing on that point, and on, honestly, I, I don't want to open up a whole different can of worms. I would sort of love it if maybe we did kind of a little more of a forum on the idea of, you know, are, are we upset about what's going on or, or is it good that we're, the films are becoming more female centric, et cetera, however you want to describe it. Well, let me jump in with like, I, I know I must, I, to a lot of people, I sound immature. Like I did that whole video, uh, where's my 007 gong? And I know it sounds kind of adolescent, like, well, it's just a number. Why would I care? But it's that strong identification to that number that I have with that character. And them giving it – I understand like he retired. I understand like in the books there was somebody before him and all that stuff. But like, you know, I, I'm not a fan of, you know, 007. I'm a fan of James Bond 007. I'm watching him because he's a secret agent saving the world and running around on beaches and car chases and stuff. I'm not a fan of his because he's James Bond running a hardware store. I want to see him like, you know, be a secret agent. I want him to do all this <laughs> stuff. And I had this random thought. I had this random thought and you would probably appreciate this, but like, you know, if, if that was true, which I don't think it's true, I don't think they're going to change her to 001, but it kind of reminded me of, there was a, that old clip of Lewis Gilbert on the set of Moonraker. And he was talking about, uh, them receiving a lot of letters after, uh, the spy who loved me from little kids saying like, you know, we want Jaws to be a goodie, not a baddie. So in this one, we're going to make him a goodie, not a baddie. He's going to be turn goodie at the end because all the kids wanted it. And like they changed it. And I, and I remember that, that little uh, behind the scenes clip. And I thought, oh, that's really quaint and sweet and everything. The little kids and they're going to like, you know, uh, acknowledge like what they want. And then if they go about changing her to 001, fast forward to today, it's because holy mackerel, we're getting killed on social media about this 007 thing. Change it, change it. We're going to change it to 001. You know, to, you know say we're thrilled about this idea. Say, you know. <laughs> I can see the tweet now. Yeah. We're thrilled. We're thrilled that Naomi is 001. Yeah, <laughs> we're thrilled. I, you know, I kind of remember where I was going with this. I'm sorry about that. I, 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 I All along, I've sort of been wondering, this whole thing with – Nomi being 007 at the end of the day, because of what you were saying before, um, are, are people, whether you agree or disagree, are they going to be happy with it? Or else, well, more specifically, the people who are very excited about the idea, we, we finally have a, a, a woman of color playing 007. I don't see how those people are ever going to be really satisfied by the outcome, because at some point, James Bond will, I assume, reclaim the mantle of 007 even if he doesn't he's the hero of the film and he's the one that solves the problem right i mean right. he 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 will again like i said i assume the movie will end with daniel craig as james bond being 007 once again so i sort of feel like at the end of the day all the all of this sort of hubbub and again you're kind of going to disappoint the very people you were trying I'd to argue, please Joe, even if he doesn't get the number back because he stays retired still not still not the outcome that the pro equality, all the people that are making an argument like this is the greatest thing ever, they're going to be disappointed because that character, Nomi's character, regardless of the number, isn't going to be the central piece of the film. She's not going to be the one that kills the you, you, uh, spoilers. She's not going to be the one that solves, saves the world, right? She's going to be the ally sidekick, right. whatever. So how is that? Or, or she will, and then you'll 
but, how, I, but yeah, how I is that you. the you know the celebratory turning of the yeah anyway it's, it's just not. right and e- even if for example let's say they're sort of side by side the whole time and and both kind of holding their own end and maybe you do have a moment at the end where m says well james looks like we need you back do you want to come back and he says you know what sir she's got this. right and he, and he and he walks off into the sunset i think even then the people that you were trying to sort of please for, they'll have a moment of yeah look who we got and they'll be like wait a second 30 yeah. seconds before no, no, the no, movie no. ends yeah. worse she's, than that she's the she's, she only got to keep it because of a man's approval yes yeah so well, that's what I'm saying right, there's right. no way out of this that's, that works no there is no yeah. way out of it by, yeah. by the way I, I had this thought about uh, Bond in 007 that uh, when he retired they have a ceremony at Wembley Stadium yeah. left like, field oh, <laughs> <laughs> I consider myself so so the luckiest man, man, man on the face of the earth. Earth, earth. <laughs> so no one, no British agent will have 007 from now on. The same way that no New York Yankee has the number three because Babe Ruth had it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I keep thinking. I was like, I don't. That's why I'm so curious about. I'm more curious about this movie than excited. I think because I want to see how they're going to end it. I don't see how they're going to do a satisfying ending. If he comes back as 007, well, that's great. That's kind of what we saw at Skyfall. If he retires, we saw that at, at the end of uh, Spectre. So, like, they're going to repeat those two endings that we already saw. And then the other option, I guess, would be just to have Bond die. And, you know, I wouldn't be jumping for joy to see that. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. So do you feel, John, I mean, I remember seeing, like, after M. Night Shyamalan did a few movies, and I went, I think, was it the village or something came out years ago? I remember going to the theater to see it and I did not sit and enjoy that movie because the whole time I was working out, how is he going to do this? When's the twist coming? How is, you know, where, you know, just looking out for the signposts. Can't remember anything about the story. It was all about the mechanics of it. And I think a lot of people, a lot of hardcore Bond fans are going to go into no time to die thinking, they're not going to, the, the, the film's going to wash over them because they're going to be thinking, oh, how are they going to finish this? How's it going to wrap up? Are they going to do this? Are they gonna do that? It's, it's not going to be enjoyed the same I, way. I mean, yeah. Because I, there's I too mean, many people. I, I, they're going to be like mentally doing the puzzle pieces. Yeah. You know, after I the mean, if, free you know, if, if she's introduced as 007, then we know that avenue of him getting the mantle back is going to be cut off unless she dies. So unless like, you know, there's some point in the movie she dies and we're going to say, okay, now there's, there's that ending uh, option open. And yeah, I'm going to be thinking about like, well, then the kickback is, well, the 007 in every film survives and wins the day, except for the one time she was a woman, she died. That's not good press. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's yes. no good yeah. one. I yeah. could sit yeah. here and for whatever outcome you can come up with, I can write you the counter argument which is going to look bad and i think that's maybe maybe they've figured that out that oh shit um yeah this there's no good pr to come out of this one well maybe like phoebe and scott and purvis and wade maybe they've they got something up their sleeves but i've been thinking about this 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 movie is just exhausting me i've been thinking about all this like way too much (laughs) and i I can't see another way i would do it i i don't see how they're going to end on this i i don't get it maybe this is why craig is so happy about being bond he says uh, he, this is the la- his last one he doesn't have to deal with this anymore i don't know the stress i, I, I was just gonna say listening to you guys talking 
just this image popped into my head of them having a con, you know, in a conference room and this idea comes up and everybody gets excited. Yes, Nomi will be 007. And then, but like nobody thought it through, but they got so excited. They just had to right. do it. Yeah. Put it in right now. And then yeah. it's like, once they realized there was going to be even a portion of the film, again, like I said, I, I could be the whole thing. It could be a short part. Once they realized like, she's actually going to hold the mantle. This is kind of cool. And then they ran out and all the headlines and all the buzz. And then I, I again, like I said, is it going to bite them now at the end? Because it's it, it, it'll never live up to expectations. No. Right. Because Bond is still, you know, James Bond is still a white male. Uh, a, a black woman is 007. And they might have thought that that was kind of a Solomon cutting the baby in half but the problem is you cutting the baby in half you have a corpse um, well you end up with half two dead babies but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know i it, it's it's um i think solomon is a really good example bill of like my theory on this is let's take the bond should be a woman thing off the table because we can show double o agent being a woman right check let's cast <clears throat> a black actor in a, in a leading role, because that will take the whole, can the lead character be a person of color? Yeah, of course it can. So it's like, we'll do a twofer, right? And and, and yeah. get both of those things off there. Because those stories have been dogging the franchise for like 10 years, maybe longer, 15 years. Yeah. And they're sick, they're probably sick of answering the question. So it's like, you know what, guys? Fuck you, we're gonna do it. But we're not gonna do it how we think you're gonna do it. And, um, and now I think maybe creatively, it's a dead end. Right. The the thing yeah. was Solomon I, though did that for effect and like to cause people to, to prove come to their point. senses. Yeah. Whereupon, <laughs> no, let's let's really cut the baby in half. And like <laughs> No, no. Yeah, if Solomon were here to speak for himself, no, you're you're not getting the point. I take you know, and actually it's kind of funny. When it when when the stories like like the tampon story, when they happen, I, again, this is sort of why I get sort of concerned that I feel like for lack of a better way to say it, these are sort of like lines drawn in the sand. Or, you know, there, there are moments when someone can sort of say, hey, look, here's something that's happening. Tell me you have a problem with it. And and again, it's it, I, I sort of feel like it it more it's more about the idea that at the end of the day, again, no one will really be pleased. And and I, I kind of feel like I would love I mean, I can't do it now because I'm sure we're all exhausted. But uh, to do like some sort of a, a full blown forum, a, a discussion on. The trend that is happening in Hollywood, is this a good thing? Are people better served by it? Uh, and, and again, how do we how do we feel about it? Is, is it? Oh, one could argue, is it actually detrimental? Is it detrimental? And I, and I, I don't mean detrimental to like the franchises that are doing it on the properties. I mean, like detrimental to the causes. Yes, like, very much so. Because again, you, you the outcome and not, you know, it's funny, I, like I, I do a whole different podcast where, I, where we just talk movies and there's so, so many examples where I've said before that the problem with it most often is that they're so concerned about trying to sort of push this. And I hate to use the word agenda because it sounds very conspiratorial and I don't mean it like that. But, it, but there are people who feel strongly about something. We want to do this in, in a film. Okay. But the problem is that you forget to make a good film. And there are other cases, like I just saw the Terminator movie, yep. where I thought the film actually could have been yep. very good. But what but but that thing that they were trying to do, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it was so sort of awkward and the foundation was sort of off kilter that, again, it, it's a detriment. So, so it does make people walk away and say, well, was this worth it? Was it worth the effort to do it this way? And like you said, is it a positive step forward? Yeah, I, I was 
I've been to the I've been to the ranch, and even though I've never seen Star Wars, um, and we were told when I was visiting, it's like if 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 this is years ago, if like if George ever passes you in the corridor, you're not to look him in the eye, you're not to speak to him, right? <laughs> and that's what they tell everybody that goes in there. And I wonder if we're at that stage sometimes because. When he edited his movies to like change who shoots first, and I'm, I'm not, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. Nobody, I don't think anybody said, George, that's a really fucking stupid idea. You should do that because, right, because nobody, no nobody could look him in the eye. Nobody could look him in the eye. Nobody could say boo to a goose. Are we at this point where they're gonna? Nobody's gonna stick their hand up in a meeting and say, you know what? Um, have we fully thought this out because this might happen or that might be the reaction or? It could be seen this way, like nobody's well, doing the nobody's doing the, the due diligence, mm-hmm. due diligence, or the I'm um, just for the sake of you know like um to play devil's advocate. How about this? It's just oh, what a great idea. Well, clearly of- they didn't inspect her when the idea came up about Blofeld being Bond's foster brother. Yeah, someone need someone oh, needed to raise yes, yes, Michael, that's a really good <laughs> idea. <laughs> someone needed to raise their hands and said that is an awful idea. He's like supposed to be the world's like worst villain. He doesn't have to have any kind of family connection to Bond, and and you know and and. But yeah, I, 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 yeah. On the other, yeah. on the other hand, it, it could have been uh, that they were talking about it in script meetings and so on, and say, like, "Oh, this is a terrible idea." And then it was, "No, no, it, that Michael suggested that we have to keep it in." <laughs> like when when Danny Boyle left, I, I, I'd love to get. We know there there must be stuff that's going on behind the scenes that we're probably never going to know. But I'd love to know like what Danny Boyle. I think you may have accidentally stumbled across one of the things. Well, like creative differences, like maybe oh, Boyle. Creative I mean, I don't well, yeah, like, may, like, may, may, yeah, may, yeah. maybe he was like, you know what? Well, there's no way out of this creatively that's going to work for the people you want it to work for. I don't think we should go down this mm. route. I'm not saying what specifically the topic mm. was, but I don't. I can't see how we do that. I think we should not do that. And then it's like, see you, Danny. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I would love to know exactly what those creative differences yeah. were that, like you know, had them part ways. If if any of this had anything to do with it, or if like you know, these ideas. Or stuff. Well, you'll you'll be able to get the uh, you'll be able to get the making of you'll be able to get the making of No Time to Die book uh, <laughs> next year. So it, I'm sure it's going to be in there. Be, yeah, it? it's going to be very carefully covered. I'm sure it'll be. Awesome. <laughs> It'll be honest and it'll be honest and unvarnished. Not. Um. Yeah. It's it's starting to get to the point where the making of this movie is starting to become more interesting to me than like what's going to end up on the screen. I think this will be like uh, like Casino Royale sixty seven mm. and like all the behind the scenes stories and drama, like Justice League, the making of Justice League, the production of that is just fascinating. But the movie, uh, like. I could care less about the movie is just like, you know, I, 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 I hate it. I thought it was terrible. But like, you know, reading about, I could read, I could read about the production problems, like, you know, for hours. Well, you guys mentioned the Bond 25 timeline I did. The whole reason I started, and I began it in early 2018. I love there, it. You're doing God's by work. By that point, there had already been so many, there had been so many twists and turns. I couldn't keep it straight in my head anymore. And so I, I did it mostly as a research guide for myself. So I like methodically went through the blog and like found all this stuff I'd written about. I also wanted to be, have the, the links and stuff so I could find things quickly. But I have to admit after a while, once I started, once I made it public, 
sometimes just doing the entries is first of all, I don't have to like sustain a narrative. I can just make a quick one liner. <laughs> Here's the link, you know, go go to it. But some of the stuff, I, I mean, remember the whole thing about it was going to be based on a Raymond Benson novel, but it was going to be called Shatterhand. And it's like, uh-huh. which made no sense, <laughs> but but a tabloid put that out in all seriousness. And they, oh, and they hadn't bothered to check with Benson. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was an easy, that was, that was yeah. a really easy story for us to fact check. Yeah. Hi Raymond. <laughs> I, I, I was having I was having the same problem with, with Spectre, and uh, I, I, I I did think, God, I wish I'd I wish I'd been a bit more methodical about uh, writing down what happened and when. And, and I I did think maybe I I would do it for for Bond Twenty Five, but uh, you started it, so I thought no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Bill, I would love on April the 2nd for your last entry to be like something like, well, I guess the film's out now. And just just end on like the biggest jump squib. Just a quiet like, well, all, the, all, the fun, all the fun's over now. The fun's over. The fun's over. The film's out. We're, we're, I'm, th- yeah. I'm thinking I'll do it through the first weekend in the U.S. <laughs> like, and then we get to find out. That timeline is going to be vital, Bill, because like in the future, like Bond fans, like, you know, 15, 20 years from now are going to like, you know, like, like look up information about the films. And it's, it's mainly going to be, oh, No Time to Die had a somewhat tumultuous uh, production, but it came out and it was a big hit. Meanwhile, like, you know, they're going to gloss over all this drama that we're living in. And luckily you keep that thing up as long as you can. So people can like research this and like, you know, go through all this. In fact, Bill, I think you should keep it, keep it going until um, it premieres on broadcast television in the UK and the United States. So it needs to cover every possible uh, (laughs) format issue and so on. And, and you need to record that the figures, you know, all, all the all the financials for for the oh different releases God. and everything. I mean... it, it, unless you do that, you haven't done a, a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this was going to be my career now, but. <laughs> You're a stranger in a warm bed. Let me tell you when to leave. Wrap around me like the ocean Then I wake up cause I just can't breathe